Hi, welcome to the Physics of Faith podcast. My name is Tim. I'm one of the hosts. In today's episode, Brandon and I are going to talk a little bit about the gospel. It's a word that's familiar to most, but what does it mean? Where does it come from? And what are we talking about when we say the gospel? Now, our hope here is that you'll find some sort of inspiration, uh, maybe be inspired to some deeper thought about this topic. And if you are, the only favor we ask is that maybe subscribe, maybe like the video, or uh, or give us a rating if you're listening to this on one of the podcast apps. Here at the Physics of Faith, what we aim to do is take a closer look at the basics of Christianity and a personal faith in Jesus Christ, and find ways to practically apply it to our lives. So we hope you enjoyed this episode, and let us know. Put it in the comments. What did you think? love when those drums kick in yeah yeah so does jesus yeah <laughs> a lot of people don't know jesus was big in the post-hardcore scene uh big drum guy yeah um one of the first uh acts signed a tooth and nail i don't know if you was jesus jesus, was. jesus himself yeah, yeah. Uh, okay now that we've uh, blasphemed a bit. <laughs> oh jesus I, you don't think jesus loves drums you know jesus loves drums okay he's gotta love drums like but this isn't going to be an episode about worship music. <laughs> or Jesus loving drums. Or Jesus loving drums. Or any music or artistic expression for that matter. This is where this is a serious topic with, that requires serious faces and, and voices. But <laughs> Serious faces, but I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm asking a lot. Oh, man. So today, though, we do want to talk about what is the gospel. That's where we're going to start. That's actually where this whole thing is going to kick off. I think it's a great way to kind of set the tone for what this podcast is going to be is, you know, begin it where everything matters, which is with Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the gospel, you hear the word the gospel. That's two words technically. When you hear the phrase the gospel. <laughs> yes, the phrase. The yes. phrase the gospel. You know, what does that mean? And I think the best place to start is with, you know, the word itself. You know, it's a translation from the Greek and, and it goes into this evolution of Old English and it's God's spell. Mm-hmm. Which God being good, spell being news or story, and it's the good news, mm-hmm. right? And so this was a this was a term that we basically hijacked as uh, Christians, right? It was around. It wasn't. It's not novel to Christianity. It right. was way before Jesus. Yeah, we just. I mean, Jesus just didn't redefine it. He just claimed it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, because it's it's really just a descriptive term. Right. You know. Um, so. The idea, the insinuation is that whoever hears this message should find that the truth of that message would be pleasing to them, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good it's good news, right? And also we you know kind of showing how we've hijacked that you know it's become an a you know kind of an authoritatively um, like something that's seen as authoritatively true mm-hmm. is you know the expression I think that comes to my mind is you know don't take that as gospel you're insinuating that gospel is equal to truth right as well. Right. And there's, I think there, and there's obviously, there's truth to that truth for sure that, you know, the gospel is truth. But I think what's really interesting is, like you said, like it, in today's world, you can't, you can't even separate 
the two. In fact, I, there is no other religion or faith or even just any context outside of Christianity that even it's almost like we've taken this old English word mm-hmm. and 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 said we're still going to use it centuries later, you know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. But I think where we see it primarily in the Bible is when we talk about Mark Matthew, Luke, and John, mm-hmm. you know, these are the Gospels, the Gospel according to Mark, Gospel right. according to Luke, you know, and these are the telling of the coming of Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection. Um, they not only underline the story of Jesus and his teachings, but they illustrate through his teachings why he had to come and die and live again. Right? Yeah, and I think, too, like, when when you talk about the Gospels, right, because there's – the New Testament has so many – it has so many books, more than just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you have – even within that, you have what are called the synoptic Gospels, right, which, mm-hmm. are, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, what, what they're all doing, though, is they're all telling – a story, and it's a specific story. Even John is telling a story. He's just telling it in a different way than Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. But but like you said, the good news, what is the news? That is what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are trying to – they're giving you the news. Right. Where Acts and, and Paul's letters and all of those things, they, they have gospel elements to it, but they're not specifically about the good news, which is, you know, for lack of a better word, the, the cookie-cutter Christian answer – Jesus. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's let's take a look at a couple of scriptures real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think one that I identify very closely with the gospel, John 3, verses 14 through 21, which of course has the famous John 3, 16 in it. Right. Um, but just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Like, so that's when I think of, you know, the, the gospel, the good news of who Jesus Christ is. I feel like that scripture has always encapsulated it for me. Yeah, yeah, I think John 3 everybody uses John 3:16, especially the 16 part, um because I think it is. It is the most succinct definition of the good news, the gospel um I, I think in the entire Bible and it and it hits it hits so many points in it because I I think and you know, you and me were talking about this a little bit earlier. The gospel is, is not just one statement. It's many statements embodied in, you know, Jesus didn't just do one thing. He did tons of things. The cross didn't just do one thing. It does tons of things. Yeah. And so I, I think we, I, I will, I'll say this. I do think we do a disservice by only reading John 3.16. Yes. You know, I think the fact that we started, you know, in 14 and we went all the way down to 21, it, you know, that is adding some context. Yes. But it's also at the same time, like saying John 3.16 is an important verse, but so is 14, 15, 17, 18, 19, 20. You know, they're, yeah. they belong to be read together. 
Yeah, well, John 3.14 ties us back to the Old Testament as well. Right, yes. We hear about Moses. We see that, you know, the the idea of this snake uh, and the snake that they lifted up in the wilderness was a template of what Christ was going to do. Mm -hmm. Um, He talks about the Son of Man, which, of course, is a reference to Daniel. Right. You know, like, you see Jesus is explaining... You know, his redemptive work has been foretold and has been foreshadowed right. amongst the Jewish people for decades. Right. You know. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's um I think that's why it reading scripture in context is so important. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. I think a lot of people have when they hear a verse or they hear something, okay, John three sixteen for God so loved the world, but then they don't think about it in context of everything that came before and everything that comes after, why it's important, why he had to do that. Um, and he goes into like why he has to do this because the world is not good. Right, right. You know? And I think you were uh, – we were talking about this a little bit before. You kind of had some some thoughts on this this idea of how we focus on – like the bad. Well, yeah, I think it's interesting because, like, if you if you take the gospel and you break it down into what does it mean? Like, that's the question today. What is the gospel? And you say, well, it's the good news. I think it's kind of ironic mm-hmm. um, because it is. I mean, it, that's the truth. It is the good news. I mean, by definition, it is. Um, but it's ironic how we tend to use the gospel today because we – I think in a lot of ways we make the gospel bad news. Um, I, I think we turn the gospel into uh, this idea of hell and condemnation. And, and you know, as a pastor, I, I hear a lot of people say, I, you know, I struggle to share the gospel. And I kind of, in my back of my mind, I'm always like, that makes no sense. How can you struggle <laughs> to share something good? Um, you know, like, it's like if, if you're a doctor and a baby has been born and it's born healthy, the doctor's never is like, I'd hate to break this to you, but I have very good news for you. You know, but that's how I think a lot of Christians, we look at it and we say, oh, I struggle to share the gospel because we think the gospel is talking about sending our friends to hell. Right. And there's a part of that. I mean, I think if you just go back and you just look at John 3, 16, okay, yes, that's awesome. He's come. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But go on and you read 17. It said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Okay, so Jesus's job was not to condemn anybody. And I think you see, especially in John, multiple times in John, on multiple occasions, Jesus says, I'm not here to judge you. I'm like, I'm not here. But here's why, because if you keep reading in 17, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not is condemned. But whoever does not believe is, and this is important, is condemned already. Already. See, the reality of the gospel or, or, or salvation in, in general is we are bad people. We are sinful people. We are already condemned. Um, I think a lot of us, we start there. <laughs> And and I'm a I'm a positive person, an optimist person, an optimistic person. So I tend to, when sharing the gospel, not start with the fact that you're going to hell. Right. I start with the fact that God loves you so incredibly much, right. so much that He would send His Son for you. Then you can talk about the conversation of why did He have to send His Son for you. But it all circles back to the good news is God loves you. Yeah. So much that Jesus is willing to come, his son is willing to come and die in your place. That's the that's the good news. The the bad news is we're all going to hell. Right. The right. good news is we don't have to all go there. Well, I think that's where people have had that struggle is it's hard for me to share the good news because in order for the good news to be relevant, you have to have an understanding that you need salvation. Right. Okay. Most people think of themselves as good people. Right. It's it's weird. You you'll see this um with 
if you have any conversation with people who are uh, agnostic or on the fence, they call themselves agnostic, but what they are is they're not practicing. They're sure they're just concerned with doing their own thing, right? Which, they're, they're they're just selfish. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I was. I was there. I could. I was. We, I was an agnostic person at one point in my life too. So I understand. And, yeah. But see, and I think that's that's exactly the point, though. Is you know, we teach. We don't teach, um, but the world teaches that the self is the most important thing, right? And should be the most important thing to you. So right. uh, self preservation is important. You gotta take care of yourself first. Put your oxygen mask on before you put it on the child. Right. 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 You know, like you gotta self care. You gotta take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. People are willing to admit that they're not perfect, but they don't consider themselves bad. Right. Where they get upset is I remember friends having this debate with me when I was in like high school and grade school. They'd be like, so what you're saying is that if Hitler <laughs> if Hitler yeah. on his deathbed yeah. says, I believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior and and does that, that he's going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that fair and how is that just? Mm-hmm. Right, because Hitler is objectively evil. Right, 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 right. Like yes. it's like if there's anybody in, in history that you could point to, you get yeah. you can. No one to, gets offended when you say Hitler was a bad guy. Right, exactly. <laughs> Even Hitler's like I was. Right, but if you if you pointed to if you pointed to a a United States president at any sure. time, you said, you know, he really wasn't a good guy. Right, you know, like. Some people might agree with you, but they would say that's irrelevant, though. Right. You know, what, right. what he is is he's imperfect. Right. You know, um, again, of course, it depends on which president you're talking to, to which political affiliate you're talking to. Sure. Obviously. But you get the point. Sure. Right. Uh, but I think where it becomes a real – people are – it's easier for you to say that person's evil than it is for you to say that about yourself. Right. And I think that's – that is something that we also – I think we miss, too, is, is sometimes we focus on the sin aspect of that. Mm-hmm. Um, because we we talk about, well, you're you're a bad person because you're a sinner, right? Okay, well, everybody's a sinner, right? That's a loaded term. Everybody that, yeah. everybody assumes sin is like why like when you hear sin, you just jump straight to like murder or right. adultery. You know, like you're yeah. like, oh man, like these are some big serious things. Like, but but lying is a, is a sin. Lying's a sin. You know, like yeah. <laughs> even even if you think you're doing it for the right reason, right? Um, you know, but I think what's interesting about this verse though is he says. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Yes. Because because they were a bad person? No. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Right. So you were born in sin already. And this right. is this is gonna be a podcast for a later date, is the you sure. know, is kind of the original sin so, concept. Yes. But the idea is that you were born in sin. Right. You were never a good person. Right. And this is why I really like... Babies are never good people. I'm right. telling you right now. <laughs> they are the worst. They are the, <laughs> they're cute, but they are... Oh, man. I don't want to even go that far. But... <laughs> <laughs> and that's also another debate for another time. Our babies people. Our babies uh, people. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, dang. Uh, we're just... We're breaking ground today. That's We're going to hit every major point. Um, oh, but... <laughs> you know, the... The the point is that you you were kind of, you kind of inherited this sin, right? Right, and the only way out of it is to allow Jesus to be your scapegoat, right? To a degree, you know, like you got to let Him die for you. You have to admit that you couldn't do it on your own. You couldn't be good enough to get saved. And I think that's where the the verse about the rich young ruler, which is one of my favorite sure. in the Bible, is when he says, "You know, good teacher, what must I do to be saved?" And right. and Jesus' response is really interesting because he says. Why do you call me good? Right. There is no one good but God. Right. And I, there's two things that I found really interesting about this. Is first of all, he's he's saying like nobody's good. Right. 
you know, there's no such thing as a good person. He kind of sets that ground level. Sure. He then continues to answer the question after he insinuates that only God is good. He never he never denies being good. Right. He's in a sense confirming his holiness right. and, and his deity, right? Right. And he goes on and he says, you know, do the law of Moses, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I do all that stuff. Right. I, God, I do good things. I'm a good person. Right. And then he says, okay, well, you're really rich, right? And I think people lose it on that point as well. Sure. Is, you know, give away your money to all these charities and come and follow me. Mm-hmm. And he can't do it. Right. Right. And he goes away dejected. And God talks – and Jesus talks a little bit in that moment about how hard it is for a rich person to kind of give that up. And right. everybody looks at it as like, yeah, see, greed, bad. Rich people, bad. Right. You know, kind of thing. That's not his point. The reason why it's hard for uh, a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven is because in a lot of situations, they serve their wealth. Right. You know, their wealth was accumulated for themselves. Even if they give to charity, they have their hoard. They have their stockpile. Like, this is who I am. I'm defined. My success is defined by what I do to gain my finances. And Jesus's point was, leave that, follow me. Right. There's nothing wrong with having money. Right. No, 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 no. There's like being wealthy isn't an issue. It's who do you serve. Right. And so when we get to this point of, you know— the gospel, the good news, and we're saying, you know, Jesus is here for your salvation. It's not really about whether or not you do good things. Right. It's about whether or not you serve him. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to say. I think that's how we actually hijack the gospel, to be honest with you, because I'm sure you've probably seen this. I'm sure listeners have probably seen this. Um, that bulletin board outside or billboard outside of a church that drives by and it's like ticket to heaven imply apply inside like <laughs> like i think we reduce the gospel the good news down to a momentary you know if we want to talk about justification we, we could um, uh, um this moment where we accept jesus as our lord and savior and then we but but we still are serving ourselves even in that moment you know because i think we we hijack the gospel and the good news of now i get to go to heaven but the gospel is so much more – it's – like I said, the cross is so much bigger than just you are saved. It's so much bigger. It's it, There's so many things happening there. And I think that's where we tend to, to serve ourselves in that and say – and I know a lot of people who, who, who selfishly say, you know – and, and maybe even stupidly, stupidly, I don't know if that's stupidly, it's not a word, stupidly say and, – and if you've said this before, I'm sorry if I'm offending you right now, but I'll just wait. I'll put it off. Like I can wait till my deathbed and I can say, Jesus, I believe in you and I'll still get to heaven. No, that's still about you. That is. That's in fact, I think if you want to talk about a really interesting story, you've got the thief on the cross, right? The two thieves on the cross, Luke 23. They're they're one is 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 just berating Jesus and saying, Save yourself, save us, blah, 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 blah. The other one has this really interesting, genuine reaction, which is why Why do you condemn this man? Why, why are you making fun of Jesus? I'm paraphrasing here. Um, he's done nothing wrong. And then he turns to Jesus and he says, remember me when you enter into heaven. And then Jesus has this awesome moment where he turns as much as he can on the cross to him and says, for today, I tell you the truth, you will be with me in paradise. Now, a lot of us, we read that and we say, oh, that's a deathbed confession. It kind of is, but here's the difference. 
the thief did nothing to serve himself in that moment. He was defending Christ. Yeah. He was defending. And in his defense of who Jesus was and his recognition of who Jesus was, he saved. That's what saves him is the realization, not just, oh, yay, I get to go to heaven. He says, no, this guy is a good guy. And I bet you if Jesus would have jumped off the cross there and he could have taken the thief with him, you best believe that thief would be in the Bible today writing He'd beat Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Jeffrey, you know, like, I don't know what his name was, you know, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, and I think that's where we have to begin to think a little bit differently about the gospel because the gospel isn't just the good news of, Hey, you get to go to heaven. That's the, that is the good news, but there's so much more to it than yeah. just that one definitive moment. 100%. I mean, he didn't even ask for salvation. Right. He didn't, he would, he, he said, remember me, remember me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Please, please keep me in mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now maybe that is a veiled way of saying like, don't let me suffer in eternity. Yeah, sure. You know? But, and then of course there's a, all these doctrines and theologies about what actually happened uh, post new covenant. Sure. Oh yeah. After death, you know, but oh, yeah. that's again, that's another podcast, uh, but. <laughs> Which is just a podcast to preview yeah. all the podcasts coming yeah. down the road. This is it. This is our, this is our, uh, but no, our he clip did, show. He did not ask Jesus save me. He says, remember me because his con his concept of heaven isn't even fully developed. All he knows is that guy's a good guy. Yeah. And like you said, no one else is good. He's recognized. I'm not good. Yeah. He's not good. He, but Jesus, he, does, he doesn't deserve to be here. And he does recognize him as divinity though. Yes. Because he's, when you come into your kingdom. Yes. Divinity, yes. You know, so he does see, you know, the holiness of who Jesus was in that moment and, and that God is... He him. wasn't looking for a ticket to heaven. And I think yeah. that's that's my point that I try to get to so many people um, that I come into contact when sharing the gospel is it's not just about... The, the ticket to heaven is is barely scratching the surface of how good God is. Yeah. Like, and that's and that's saying a lot. I mean, because heaven's amazing. So, so to say that a ticket to heaven isn't even the best part... That's a lot, you know? Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah. But I think we see in Romans 6.23, right, mm -hmm. that uh, this is where we kind of get into that justification part from salvation to justification. You know, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And again, I'm trying to remember the the, the scripture reference for this, but, you know, like it's – I can't remember if it's John or First John. It's one of those – it was something with John in it. Uh <laughs> My recall sometimes on scripture is so bad, uh, but there's where he talks about what the what the sin of the world is, and, right. and really it's it's and we kind of already covered it in and three fifteen there is it's the rejection of Jesus, right? Right. So when we talk about sin, we're not necessarily talking about the bad things you did, the lies that you told. It's about the rejection of Christ, right. and the rejection of God as a whole, which is a rejection we were all born into in this world where. You know, we, we we basically are born into a world where we want to be God, right? You know, and I think that's one of the, one of the interesting concepts about that. Again, this is a later podcast, but I just I really love talking about these things. Um, I always look back at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? Right, and and so when when uh, they're partaking of that, you know, the devil's telling them you're going to be like God if you eat this, right? If you think about what that means, what they're saying there. To be like God is to be able to define good and evil. Right. 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 And that's what we want to do today is we want to define what is good, what is right, and what is wrong. Right. And say, well, I'm a good person because I haven't broken my codes. Right. And even if I did, because I was the one who ordained what was right and what was wrong, mm -hmm. I have the grace to forgive myself for it. Right. Right. Yeah. 
The problem is there is a truth of what is right and wrong. And right. your sin is not that you're choosing what is wrong. Your sin is that you're rejecting the author of right and wrong. Exactly right. That's yeah. and that's I think that's a, a fantastic point too because the reality is I think when you do not and again this is like you said we're, we're going to talk about this down the road here but when you do not have an author of good and evil for mm-hmm. lack of better or a definer of good and evil good becomes subjective because your good and my good may not be the same good. And so, you know, I think that that's where when it comes back to talking about the good news, the good news is actually, and I think it's interesting, like you said, in 14, we start with this this, this recollection to, to both Moses and Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have this calling back um, to Old Testament figures. That's because salvation, quote unquote, in the Old Testament was linked to like, I can't remember the exact number. It's like 618, 613, someone Google it. You know what I mean? But but there's there's a ton of commands. There's 600 commandments that if you wanted to be with God in eternity, you had to do 600 and some odd things mm-hmm. in order to do it. And so Jesus has just dumbed everything down in one fell swoop and said, look, just like it was in Moses and just like it was for Daniel, we're all we're all bad, except I'm good. And and I am re I am returning us back to the definition of who is good. Yeah. Yeah. And that and I think that's the, you know, we can talk about Trinity all day long, but that's the one thing that I love that Jesus constantly does, is even though he is God embodied here on this earth, he's constantly pointing people back to the Father and saying, here's the author. Here is the author. Here's it. Because I think he does that because it's easy for us to look at a man and say, Oh, a man can define good. No, 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 a man cannot define good. Right. Um, and so so I think that that goes back to that's why it's the good news. Yeah. Is the good news is this isn't – and I always tell people as I'm preaching, especially if, if I say something that might make them a little uneasy, I like to say make their butt cheeks, uh, you know, swell up there a little bit and get a little tight around the neck. Um, I didn't say this. I didn't write this. This is not my book. Like I did not get to author the Bible. Right. Like and we'll, we'll get to who did. Um, but I mean at the end of the day, this is not my truth. This right. is the This is the truth I have – found as, as, as we call it, the, the authoritative truth of the gospel, which is, it is the truth, you know? Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the truth. And that's, that's uh, again, uh, a conversation that we're going to touch on these themes, I think, everywhere. Right. You know, uh, but there has to be a truth. There has there, to be. There can't be multiple truths. That in and of itself is a denial of what truth is, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, we're getting a little philosophical with that, but, you know, the, the thing is, ultimately, whether you think you're a good person or not, mm-hmm. you know, you are born in this nature of selfishness, of me first. Right. And until you go to the Father through Jesus, right. you can't have that connection. Like you talked about the 600-something laws, mm-hmm. you know, God knew that nobody was ever going to complete that. Right, right. Right, which is why they had sacrifice. Right. Which is why Jesus' goodness was so important because he needed to be that pure and spotless lamb. Exactly. Right? And then he steps in as that atonement for us. Mm-hmm. And it's his perfection and deity in a way that we cannot achieve in a way that, you know, the cattle that was being sacrificed could right. achieve is how he was able to fulfill the law. Right. Right. Um, so. Yeah. He, he's, he is the mediator. I mean, the, the bad news is we are all going to hell. The good news, all of us, including myself, the good news is if you accept Jesus, if you believe, right, that is the that is the cardinal sin, the rejection, right? In fact, the Bible even says the only unforgivable sin is blasphemy against the Spirit, right? Like, and all that is is that at the core is the rejection 
because the spirit is the manifestation of God's will and word, right? That's so you're rejecting God's will and God's word. So that's the only unforgivable sin, um, quote unquote, it, according to scripture. What's so cool about that is the bad news is those are all things that will get you in an eternity that is terrible. The good news is Jesus has stepped up and said, in spite of all of those deserving things you have done or haven't done or realize you've done or not, I will vouch for you on the day of judgment. You know, And I think yeah. that so, – so for me, when, I, when I'm talking about what is the gospel, that's why I tend to fo- – I focus on Jesus so much as – that, that's what's good. Like I said, no one, no one is ever going to like give birth to a healthy baby and then be like, I'm really sorry to break this to you. Your baby's healthy. Like, no, no right. like I, I, I've never shared the gospel and been like, I'm really sorry to break this to you, but God loves you so incredibly much. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's, yeah. that's not, that shouldn't be offensive to even an atheist is like, I appreciate it. I don't believe in him, but I appreciate the sentiment that you think he does. He does. And, you know, then we can have more conversation, but that's where the, the good news for me begins is with that idea that Jesus outweighs the bad. <laughs> he outweighs the bad news, you know? Yeah. Yes. And that, and but going back to kind of what set us down that conversation of the bad news is the the problem I think that most believers have is finding the appropriate way to illuminate that you need salvation. And like the way that I look at like the unfortunate way some people look at it is God will send you to hell. And that's not true. That's not you already true. sent yourself. Right. right, yeah. Like, I think a good way to look at it is you're standing in a house that's already on fire. Right. <laughs> yes. Right? You're already in a house on fire. Right. Now, you don't, You maybe don't feel that way, mm-hmm. but that's the spiritual truth of where you are. Right. You know, Jesus is the one kicking down that door saying, come with me if you want to live. Right. Yeah. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. You know, Jesus and, is the Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> in this, yeah, in this exactly. situation, yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, quick, get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, but he's the one who's saying that. And then, and then that person's standing there, nah, you know, like I, I'm really not interested. And you're saying, look, if you don't come with Jesus, you're going to die. Well, that's a really hateful thing for Jesus to do is to let me burn alive. Well, he's trying to pull you out of that. Right. You know, I think, and that's where the, the disconnect comes. Right. Is the world has allowed itself to be convinced that they're not bad. Sure. Or they're at the very least they're not bad enough. Right. Right. Um, and, and so if you, if you don't understand that concept, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you grasp the good news? Right. You know, like Jesus died so you wouldn't have to. Well, I don't think I should have had to die. <laughs> right. Okay, I appreciate that, but it's the truth of it. Right. You know, like the wages of your sin, which is the rejection of Jesus, is death. Right. Right. But Jesus died so that you wouldn't have to. And mm-hmm. then he and then he was victorious over death and came back and rose from the grave. Well, and that's where I think that's where I think the gospels, uh Matthew, Mark, Luke and John come in like handy because I think so many people okay, say first off they say, "Well, I don't really I didn't do anything that that necessitates me dying. I'm a good I'm a good person. I'm a good person." And when you direct someone to the gospels, to the life of Jesus, I I don't know a single person even even when I was going through my agnostic, atheistic phases of, of my life and denying God and wasn't saved and all that jazz, um, I still thought Jesus was a good guy. 
Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't, who I've never met anybody who's like, ah, Jesus isn't good. Like everybody's like, yeah, he's good. Some people don't believe he's the son of God. I mean, there's all these theological things, but the, the, the core matter is everybody goes back to the point that, yeah, Jesus was a good guy. Some people liken him to Gandhi and things like that. They miss the point is what I'm saying, well, but the, no one debates the goodness of, of Jesus. And I always like to point people back to Jesus to say, why, why do I need a Jesus? Mm-hmm. What, what is so important about Jesus? And that's why I also think, like, like I was saying, the gospel isn't just that moment of justification is important. Acknowledging Jesus is super. I mean, that's the, that's the start, right? That's where, that's where it begins. The good news starts with the acknowledgement that, and I mean, and let's take the example of the, the, thief on the cross. He acknowledges in that moment who Jesus is. He's still alive for however many more hours. I mean, because yeah. Jesus dies before them, right? Like that's the gospel. They they get their legs broke. He doesn't. He's already dead. So they, he, for, which is awesome, he witnessed. So he says, hey, remember me. And then he witnesses Jesus dying and everything happened. I'd be like, well, thank God I said that when I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but what I'm saying is there was a moment of justification. And you could argue there was also a moment of sanctification where he lived out the remainder of his moments. Think about how difficult that would be. Exactly. Like, I just put my faith in you, said that you are, you're going to your kingdom. Remember yeah. me. And, and he's like, I will remember you. Yeah. Boom. Boom. I'm dead. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Dead. And you watched him die. Like, how difficult must that have been right. for him to then continue on in his belief? Right, exactly. That's so there, it, that, like I'm, that is the whole f- testament of, of someone's faith in ours, right? You know, yeah. I mean, he, he sees Jesus die. He, he feels earthquakes, the, the darkness of the sky. I mean, there's, there's this probably a confusion. But at the end of the day, as, as, as far as we know, biblically speaking, this guy doesn't say, oh, never mind. He goes out a believer, and Jesus, I think, is the one who identifies it. He tells him, Jesus is not a liar. He says, today you will be – he knows. Yeah. He, he has verified in that man's spirit, in that moment, you're going to be there with me. Yeah. You know, and, and Jesus isn't just saying that to make the last few hours of his life more bearable. He means that. And so I think, man, when you look at salvation, though, so many of us, uh, and, and you look at the good news, like you said, getting them to the point to recognize they are a sinner, that's still only getting them to the point to say, I I get my card to heaven. Yeah. You've got to move them beyond they're a sinner. You've got to move them beyond. You have to move them towards the need for God. And the need for God isn't just you're sinful. Right. You know, we needed we needed God in the garden. You know, God is yeah. the there there's it's such a deeper theological conversation than you're a bad person, you're going to hell, Jesus gets you out of it. Would you you know? say you need you need God to live your best life now? Yeah, YOLO. Yolo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right. But so here's a couple of quick, I'm going to just read off a couple of quick scriptures first. So we talked about justification, which the justification is the act of removing the guilt and penalty of sin and declaring the ungodly to be righteous through faith in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we see that again in Romans 6.23. We see that in Matthew 20.28, 20, uh, Romans 3.24 through 26, and Romans 5.1 were just a couple of scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than read them on, like, Go ahead and go look those up there in your Bible as well. Um, so, but that's the justification. Then we were kind of talking about the sanctification aspect right. of it. Whereas, you know, justification is found in Christ's work alone in that specific work. Sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit in us, and it's a progressive work. Right. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the aspect I think that 
that's the that's the reward. Right. Sanctification is kind of that reward. It's not the getting to heaven. It's it's that transformation piece of becoming who you were meant to be. Right. I, and not like some like mythical or mystical destiny or I think a lot of people make this mistake, I think especially in Christian circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've told you a couple of stories already today about youth group stuff, but like this was a big thing, I think, when I was young and in youth groups and in college was this idea, everybody wants to be David. Right. Everybody wants to be Moses. Everybody wants to be the the man with the staff, mm-hmm. basically, or the person that the story was about, the person that God did this great thing through. Right. And so few of us are okay with being Zacchaeus, right. you know, or, <laughs> yeah. or another minor. No one player. ever wants to be Saul. You know, I was thinking about this this, this morning. I was listening to uh, some apologetic stuff about how Saul becomes Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I thought to myself, what good Jewish person names their kid Saul? Right. Because, like, he was, like, not a good king. Right. Right? Like, he was just the first king. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, why would you name your kid Saul? A clearly in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, very much so, like, yeah. very clear, hey, Saul didn't do a good job. That's right. You know, like, David's <laughs> yeah. the guy. David's the guy. And then you have a child, you're like, this child shall be named Saul. Saul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then Jesus' first act was like, okay, that's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Got to change that. Uh, uh, yeah. Do something different there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've lost my my place here, but uh, well, you're saying well, none of us. We always aspire to be the yeah, good, right? But but here's the other funny thing too about that. Well, we want to be the hero, right? We, we want to be the but the, the hero still the hero still is just as flawed. Like right. Saul, Saul is flawed. We all can say that David was flawed. Yeah, and we all want, but we all want a giant, right? We all want it, the same, exactly. You right. know, and like we don't all get that, right? You know, um, the hero isn't – the hero was never David. Right. This is one of the things that I love about the story of David and Goliath is I think this is – I think it's ridiculous and also cool at the same time. We talk about like sports. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm in the sports. Right. We talk about David and Goliath stories with like the one team that should win, which is Goliath, mm-hmm. and the one team that just if they try hard enough, they're going to win. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they believed enough and it was possible. The little guy beat the big guy, right? Mm-hmm. And it looks impossible. So we say that's a, that's a David and Goliath story. Right. That's why David had a problem with the Israelites to begin with. Sure. Because he walked up and said, you assume you can't win. Right. You look over there and you say, my opponent, my opponent is him. Right. Goliath isn't our opponent. He's God's opponent. Right. He's not just cursing you. He's cursing God. He's cursing the creator of the universe. Right. The true story of David and Goliath was Goliath versus God, and Goliath lost miserably. To like a 12-year-old. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should never look at that and say like, oh, you know, the little guy can win. That's not the biggest guy won. Oh yeah. You know, like all of the power, all of the authority, all of everything was in God. Mm-hmm. And and David just understood that. Right. Right. The hero of the story, the hero of every story is Jesus. Always, yes. Always, one hundred percent. So we can't aspire to be the hero. Right. We have to aspire to do our part in the place that we've been given. Right, yeah. You know, and that sometimes means being the third chair. Right. You know, like not being the guy whose face is in the, you know, in, out in the The in thief the on the cross yeah. is probably one of the most uh, famous stories 
of of Jesus. I mean, Jesus has a lot, but I mean, a lot of people know that, like yeah. that story. He doesn't even get his name mentioned. Well, you said it was Jeff. Uh, yeah, it might have been Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> it may have been Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Jeff doesn't even get his name. I've got some insight, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah the this Lord is... told me one night, He's like, "I need you to. It's time. Let <laughs> let the world know about Jeff." And if you send uh, us five ninety nine <laughs> American dollars, <laughs> we'll get you a special word from the Lord as well. <laughs> Also, might be from a guy named Jeff. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't get his name mentioned. You know what I mean? Like, and that's I, I think th- that for me, truthfully, even as a pastor, I think I think all of us, even as Christians, we're constantly in this dilemma. Like, and this is, goes back to like that selfishness idea that we want to be God. We want to be God in the story. Um, you know, the good news is about you, mm-hmm. but it's not about you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like it's what Jesus does for you, yeah. But Jesus is the subject. He's he is he's the the he, literally. That's the whole book is about him. And I and I think we we try to get our name. Like, and I think all of us as Christians, we're like, man, there's going to be a third testament someday, right? Like, we that there could be revelation happens. We don't know what happens after that, but we know right. we're going to be with him in a new heaven and a new earth. Is he going to write a third chapter? I don't know. Maybe. And I think all of us as Christians secretly hope that our name gets a Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. You know, like we want our own book in the Bible. Yeah, or we're mentioned in Fourth Chronicles. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Like we want we want to get a shout out. But I think the greatest shout outs in the Bible are the are Zacchaeus. Yeah. Like what a what a story of transformation. You know, it's the thief on the cross. These these are no name Lazarus, a fantastic guy. I mean, as far as people go in the Bible, Lazarus is one of those guys that you're like, man, he was Jesus's dear friend. Yeah. To, so he had a he had a he had a relationship with him that was unlike any other. But we don't know a ton about Lazarus. Aside from he died, he was really smelly, and Jesus opened a grave and told him to come out. You know what I mean? Like, like when we put our—and I, I know we're getting almost like cliche postmodern Christian, but like when we put ourselves second, like yeah. there is there is something that happens in that moment, and I think that's what the gospel is. It's realizing that you've always been second. <laughs> like, like you yeah. think you're first, <laughs> but you're not. You've always been second, right? You and, know, and that is. Where salvation comes into play, right? You put him first, right? You know, um, and it was it was your desire to be first is what separated you from God. That yes. was your sin. That was the that was the 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 yeah. sin of Adam and Eve in the garden was that they wanted to be like God. Yeah, and we've wanted that ever since then. In fact, I mean, just think about in our context today. We 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 tried to play God either either through through. Uh, judging and judicial systems and, you know, defining rights and wrongs and what's legal and not legal. You know, we, we're, we're legalistic in a whole different way now, you know, as a world. Um, there's so many things that we try to do to, to be God. But at the end of the day, the good news is this. You don't have to be. <laughs> you know, I think that that's, right. that's the positive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when, and as we're talking about this, we're, when we're talking about that sanctification aspect of salvation, that, that kind of that afterwards, I think there was a teacher that I had when I was in school who talked about grace, and he said, grace does not absolve you. Grace does not just absolve you from sin. It empowers you to no longer sin. Right. Right. And and so that's not to say that you will go on and be perfect and always – but sanctification is that act of God's grace overcoming sin in your life. Right. You know, and getting you to a place where you are no longer bound to that sin. Right. You are instead bound to him. 
Well, and I think if you want to break down sin into its simplest terms and say it's quote unquote selfishness or it's trying to be like God, whatever it is, you know, yeah. I, I simplify it to selfishness. If you want to say like that is the the the, the I mean that it is actually the author of sin. Like that's the devil's definition. He's he's the self, most selfish being in creation, you know, yeah. uh, and and chose to 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 make it about him instead of God. You know, uh, if you want to take that idea of of um, your power to it is is or your power to your sin is is your desire to always put yourself first and your needs first and your wants and your desires first. But when when you have that moment of recognition that Jesus is rightfully first because he is God incarnate, mm-hmm. because God is first, um, you get into this. You, you begin to redefine things, but sanctification then becomes not you trying to live a perfect life, and it's part of it, but a pleasing life. And I think that that's there's a difference in that. And and by that I mean uh, I'm still a sinner. I sin less, I'm, but I'm not sinless. You know what I mean? I still yeah. I still make mistakes. I still say things and do things, and I go back. And I've recognized that sin no longer has power. That selfishness no longer has power in me. And I renounce it. I repent of it and say, okay, God, that, that, I missed it. I put, put myself on that pedestal again, but I know it doesn't have the power over me anymore. Yeah. And so, so I think, I think there's something to be said about sanctification is not just trying to be perfect. You're trying to please God. Sometimes you're not, you're just, <laughs> sometimes you're going to do something you think will please God. And it's not, you know, and you're going to say, well, I thought that was a good idea, but it turned out it was a terrible idea and it hurt a lot of people and it did a lot of disservice to the, as a pastor, I do this, I don't want to say all the time, but there's always things that I'm trying to build the kingdom of God. I'm trying to, to, to spread the good news. And sometimes in, in doing that, sometimes things happen, relationships are, are stunted or they struggle because of things. And I constantly have to go back to saying, okay, who am I doing this for? What am I doing this for? Why am I, you know, and that's, again, that's the process of sanctification. I'm not trying to please myself anymore. I, I am, I want, I want my biggest goal in life is to die in, in, it sounds terrible, but it's to die and to go to heaven and hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Like sure. that's, I don't even want my name mentioned. I just, I just want, you know, words of affirmation is my love language. You know, like that's just, <laughs> that's just, that's what I want. I want to hear God say that because that's who I want happy, who I want to see pleased, yeah. who I want to see. I pray at the end of every prayer, I always pray, let everything I say and do bring glory and honor to you. And I know it rhymes, but that's how I end every prayer because I'm reminding myself my life is no longer about my life. Right. It's about the life he's given me to live. And that's okay if I'm third in the list or fourth in the list. It's okay if I don't get to be Billy Graham. Yeah. You know, if that's what God has called me to be, that's okay. Kind of don't want to be. I definitely don't want to be. No, no, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> there's, there's a yeah. lot of pressure. Yeah, I'm glad just to be branded, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say that... Um, would you say that, and and maybe your experience as a pastor has led you to see this happen, that people sometimes want to put sanctification ahead of justification? Oh, for sure. I think which is backwards, right? Because yeah. you you can't you can't try to please the Lord if you don't know who the Lord even is. Right. Yeah. But but so many people put up you need to do X Y, and I think this is why people struggle with the gospel because they there there is an aspect of repentiveness in there. But I think we make this problem of assuming we know what they need to repent of. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, and so we come to them and we say, Hey, you, before, before you accept Jesus, first off, you're going to hell. Okay. That's, this is, this is what not, this is how, if you want to like, this is how not to share the gospel, but this is how we often do it. Hey, by the way, buddy, you're going to hell. Yep. Okay. So that's how we start. Not a good start, but it's a start. Uh, you're going to hell. Uh, and Jesus can save you, but before Jesus can save you, you need to stop doing all of the things that are sending you to hell. Yeah. And and most of the time, they're always very legalistic, funny things that, that are sin. Don't get me wrong. They're sin. But you're like, man, that's really what you're going to focus on? Like you wearing two different types of clothing, you know, like you're going to go to Leviticus for the sins? Like, golly, like you know, like, let's, let's go back to the garden. Like, you know, but, but I think as a pastor, so many people, and I think even as a church, we as Christians look at unsaved people who come into our church communities and we say, why aren't they doing X, Y, and Z? Why are they still smoking? Why are they still cursing? Why are they still drinking? Why are they still doing, you know, I, we put up all of these stipulations and Jesus and, and John 3, 15 says, hey, by the way, I, or John 3, 17 says, hey, I didn't come here to say, why are you still drinking? Why are you? I came here to say, I'm, I'm the, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. And I think, yeah, so as a pastor, man, it is the, probably the number one stumbling block for evangelism yeah. is we put sanctification before our justification. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was in Bible college, um, we did a little, like, Outreach, and this was in Oak Cliff, which is South Dallas. This was not a good neighborhood, and we would walk around to these apart in this apartment complexes next to the college and knock on doors and invite people to these services. Right? I think this one was like probably specifically like an Easter service. Sure. And I remember like I, this was my first semester, and I'm there, and I've got we had these like small groups, and this guy was in his third year. He was in the pastoral studies program, which I eventually went on to do myself. And he uh, he's leading us around, and we're just knocking on doors and inviting people to come. And he, we're letting him do all the talking, right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of modeling things for us at this point. But he's talking to this guy, and he's like, hey, do you want to come to the service? And he's like, you know, I appreciate that, but I just I need to get some stuff right in my life mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. What he was saying was, I need to sanctify myself before mm-hmm. I can let Jesus justify me. Sure. He doesn't obviously know those terms, but that's, the, that's what he's saying. Sure. And I'll never forget... The guy who's – I wish I could remember his name. The guy who was leading this this door-to-door um, – and this is just for the record. People don't matter to me. Just <laughs> what they said does. Sure. Just so that's clear. I don't remember this guy's name. I'm kidding. Might I, have been I, Jeff. I, I wish I could remember. Yeah. This was 20 years ago, so I, I don't remember his name. But but I've, uh, but I this – what he said to him has always stuck with me. He says, do you like – do you ever go fishing? Do you like fishing? Mm. And then the guy's like – yeah, sure. I've been fishing. <laughs> He's like, let me ask you something. When you when you fish and you reel in the fish, are they already like deboned and cleaned and gutted? Right. He was like, no. He's like, would you eat a fish that was? You know, like like what like right. what would you think about that? And he's he's like, well, no, I guess not. And he's like, you're like you're right. You wouldn't like that's not that's not the order. The order is you catch the fish and then you clean the fish. Right. Right. And that's he, a good idea. And he goes, and that's. He's like, God doesn't need you to try to clean yourself. Right. You need to come to him and he'll get you right. Right. He'll get you ready. Right. He'll get you where you need to be. Here's the thing. You're already ready to accept salvation. Sure. You're already f- you're ready for justification today. Right. You know, and then the sanctification is you getting to that place you thought you should have been before. Right. And it's the and it's the spirit 
uh, that's such a great analogy too. But yeah, he's probably making buku bucks in the sales world because that's what a sales pitch, <laughs> man. That's awesome. Uh, I but, hope he's doing more with that than <laughs> yeah, <right>. sales, <laughs> making money. Hopefully, he's got himself second and God first. But uh, but no, it's one of those things where I, I it's it's so I think it's funny because um, look at the story of like let's bring it back to like scripture. Look at the story of Moses. And when Moses meets God in the burning bush, it's God who says, take off your sandals, you're standing on hold. There wasn't a dude named Josiah standing next to the bush that was like, hey, before you come in over here, make sure you take off your shoes. You know, and it's God. And I always tell that to people all the time. My job is not to tell you how you're sinful. Because I truthfully, I don't even know how you're sinful. You may, you, you, you may not, Brandon. You, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You may be very holy for all I know. Right. My job is to tell you about Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus's job is to tell you about the Father, and leave you with something called the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And the Spirit's job is to tell you all the things in your life that that God is going to work on you on. Some good, some bad. Yeah. Not, it's not my job. And I think so many Christians want to focus on tell, doing God's job for him. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I, I, I can just use a personal story here. Like I was a big smoker. Like I smoked cigarettes like all the time. Now, if you smoke, I'm not judging you or condemning you or anything like this. But one of the things I realized is as I was going through that, I used that as a coping strategy, as a stress reliever, and I was putting it above God. And so I know it sounds cliche, but where I should have been turning to the Lord and saying, all right, God, where I should have been praying and meditating on my problems, I was just going to go burn one out in the back, you know, like that's the swing. And okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take a couple of hits that nicotine will hit my mind and I'll be good to go. Yeah. Now, no one ever told me, and this, and this is amazing. This is a testament probably to this church, but to no one ever like got on my case and was like, you're going to hell because you're smoking. No one ever said that. Now, I'm sure some people probably saw that, um, but but no one ever got on my case for that. And I actually appreciate that because it was the Lord who came to me and said, Brandon, I'm not asking you to stop smoking. I did, but I only did because what the Lord said to me was, are you putting things before me? And I said, yeah, I am. This is one of them right here. This is something, and it was really easy. I quit. I didn't need a nicotine patch. I didn't need, I smoked for many, many years. Just like that, bang, it was, it was, the temptation was always there. Sometimes the desire was there, but I no longer lived in that power to sin. Yeah. I had the fruits of the spirit of self-control, you know, and so I was able to utilize all those things. And I think so many Christians make the mistake of thinking they need to have everything figured out before they come to Jesus. Yeah. That's the power of the good news. Jesus did the hard work for you. Yeah. You don't. He will. He'll figure you out. Don't worry. He'll figure everything out for you. But first, you got to come to him. That's yeah. the first step. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, man. Um, gosh, I don't know that. I don't know that we need to go any further. Yeah. Like, I think this has been a pretty good conversation about what the gospel is. Yeah. Who Jesus was, what he did for us, why it was, why it was needed. Mm-hmm. You know, I think obviously there are elements of this we could definitely continue to go deeper with. Sure. You know, but. You know, our, our point here, our desire here was to kind of kick this off with a focus on the the beginning point for Christianity. Right. And that is coming to Jesus. Everything starts with coming to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You can figure all the rest of that out later. Right. 
you know, and uh, there are, I've got, I still got a few other thoughts in my head rolling around with just responses and things and, and thoughts and observations about the world today and Christians today and things. Sure. But I don't think that's important. I think what we've hit on as of right now just needs to be encapsulated in that, in that statement is that Jesus is this, is the reason. Right. He's the purpose. He's everything. He is your portion. Yes. Go to him. Be saved. Right. Let him figure out the rest. It's the best decision you will ever make. It that's is. why it's the good news. That's why it's the good news. <laughs> that's why it's the good news. That's why it's the good news. Man. Well, cool, man. I'm glad we got to do this. We're just going to go out on your melodious tones here. Jesus loves a good drum beat. He does. 